Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. There's a couple of stories that God has put on my heart, and I just want to share them with you today. A couple of verses as well. We're going to start in the book of Daniel. Um, I'm speaking to you from this subject, a captive conscience. A captive conscience. We've been talking about what our worldview is. Is it kingdom or is it culture? And really, I want to concern ourselves with the subject of worship today. But look in Daniel chapter 3. We're going to jump right into the middle of the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, if you don't know the whole story, I'll catch you up a little bit later on. But we're jumping right into the middle of it. And Nebuchadnezzar, who's the king of Babylon, he answered them and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you are ready... When you hear the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, the harp, the bagpipe, and every kind of music, fall down. Worship the image that I have made well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Who is the God? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. That's a shocking response to the king of the known world. They said, we don't even have to argue with you right now. Are you for real? We don't even have to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known. To you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Even if God doesn't show up the way we're expecting and the timing that we're expecting, we still will not bow before a false god. I want to bring you to James. Last week I read this in the ESV. And I think it's really clarifying in the MSG. And so uh, it's the message translation really powerful, but um, it says it in, in, in James chapter 1, verse 2. It says, consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges, trials come at you from all sides. That verse is for 2020. Consider it a sheer gift when tests and trials come at you from all sides. It seems like everything that can be shaken is being shaken, but Lord, let the unshakable remain. And he says this, you know that under pressure, Your faith life is forced into the open. And it shows its true colors. What was really going on, you can hide, you can falsely display, but when there's pressure applied, that's when the real you, the real faith, the real responses, that's when it comes out into the open. Only when there's challenges and trials and tests and things which you have to persevere through, that's when you figure out who you really are. And that's why James, pastor of a great church, is telling believers, understand what's happening right now. These trials did not come to destroy you. These tests did not come to put you under, put you down. They have come to build you up, to reveal who you are, to bring you closer to God. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you become mature, well-developed, not deficient, in any way. Come on, how many people want to become mature, spiritually well-developed, 
Not deficient in your faith. Not deficient in your joy. Not deficient in your heart, in your mind. Not deficient in your hope that you might be built up in every way. And he goes on saying, and by the way, if you don't know what you're doing, all of us, pray to the Father. He loves to help. You'll get his help, and he, you won't be condescended to when you ask for it. So interesting. We, we live in a world, primarily because of Twitter, that is so condescending to everybody. Everyone not only has an opinion, it treats everyone else's opinion as if it is the most preposterous thing on the planet. There's just like a spirit of condescension that tries to come at people and tries to belittle you for your beliefs or tries to belittle you or when you are wrong, there's no space for grace. There's no move for mercy. There's just condescension and condemnation on all sides, it seems. And that's why I will hold on to these truths in the Bible and say, look, you'll get God's help. And by the way, God doesn't belittle you when you turn out wrong. He doesn't mock you when you have a need. He doesn't laugh at you when you don't fully understand. He doesn't spit on you when you're on the floor. That's not God. God's not canceling anybody. He's resurrecting. He's gracing. He's giving mercy. He's giving love. But he's not condescending to you when you're asking for help. God is for you, not against you. He loves you. He's with you. And here's the good news today. He's got your back. He's got your backs. So ask boldly, believingly, without a second thought. Come before the throne of God, especially if you are in a time of testing where it's coming at you from all sides. I know that's where you're at. I know that's where we're all at. I want to tell you this story here in a moment. and Let's see what God has to say through all of us. But will you just bow your heads with me just for a minute and Let's just pray. Maybe it's been a long time since you've prayed. It's so easy. I just want to pray for you. God, I pray for all those that are listening right now, whether it's online, on Facebook, YouTube, on our website, on podcasts, however. However they even got there. Maybe someone sent them a link or they've been watching for the past few weeks, months. God, right now, I pray that your spirit of peace comes on them, spirit of understanding comes on them. And God, I pray a spirit of righteousness begins to arise within them. Right now, Lord God, speak challenge and encourage us in Jesus name. Come on, everybody in the chat said amen, amen, and amen. I told you last week a story about Martin Luther. He began the Protestant Reformation, the protesting Reformation. And and he did it because what he saw in the church did not align with what he was seeing in the word. What he saw around him and the world around him didn't align with what he had founded his life on in the word of God. I got a question for you. What do you do when the culture around you is in conflict with the conscience within you? What do you do? Martin Luther was a nobody. He was just a friar from the middle of nowhere. He wasn't a cardinal or a bishop. He, he had no uh, incredible training or even really any incredible oratory skills. He, he was just a normal guy, but he got a conviction on the inside. 
His conscience began to bring revelation about who God is to him. And, and he sees the, the, the church sell, selling indulgences. And he sees the church making it more difficult for people to come to God. And he's saying, no, we need to open the doors so that as many people can possibly come to God as possible. He had this conviction. And, and he had to choose. Will he just accept what is? Or will he go for what should be? It's a choice we're all going to have to make. Will you love the kingdom of God or accept the culture of man? Martin Luther began to write these teachings and began to gather a following. And pretty soon there was some upheaval in the church and really even in the whole world because he was preaching that you and I, that we are we are saved by faith alone, not out of our works, but it's by God's incredible mercy and grace that God came after us. And we could never do anything to deserve this. But he is so good that despite who we are, he loves us, he's for us, and he will bring grace to us. That was his revelation. And once it, it got in him, he says, I cannot come off this spot. This is what my conscience is saying that God is for us, that his grace is what he died to give us mercy in our time of need. And, and Martin Luther had to stand before a council of people that were going to condemn him to death, to death unless he denied these teachings. And, and this is where he said this incredible phrase. He says, I cannot deny my teachings. My conscience is captive to the word of God. My conscience is captive to the word of God. Let me ask you, Christian, what is your conscience captive to? What are you standing on? What do you believe despite all else? Have you set some unbreakable principles in your life? That's what I want to speak to you about today. So I believe the time has come and certainly is coming where you must choose your convictions over culture. You must choose your convictions that have been placed there by the Word of God, awakened by the Spirit of God, revealed by the heart of God. Convictions that go to your core, they must be chosen over whatever culture does or says. This is the choice Martin Luther had to make, but it's the choice many people have had to make over time. There's the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Do you know them? They're the three Hebrew boys. Their story begins when Babylon came and destroyed Jerusalem, besieged it, tore down the temple, tore down the walls. It stole everything of value out of Jerusalem, and then it took the people of Israel God's chosen people and imprisoned them, brought them back to Babylon. And then, and what, what began to happen there is that they began to change their diet, the way they dressed, the way they spoke. It even got rid of their old Hebrew names and put a new name on them. Look, this is a picture of what the counterfeit culture, the antichrist culture tries to do to you, tries to tell you who your identity is, tell you how to dress. Tell you what's in, what's out. And, and pretty soon, here comes along the, the king of, of Babylon with this new golden image that he sets up in, the, in a plane. And, and it's 90 feet tall, 
carved out the new God. And this is the God that he was going to use to unite all of the different lands that he conquered underneath his control. Because there's no greater control than controlling who people worship. And that is the control that the king is about to exercise over these people. And he, he builds this statue and then sends out an edict through his herald. And the herald says, if you do not bow when the music plays, the harp and the lyre and all those different instruments, when you hear the noise, when you hear the sound, you'd better bow. When you hear the sound, it's time to bow. And so, all the different officials, all of the different influencers, all of the different governors, and all of the different counselors, and, and all of the different musicians, and all of the people from different tribes and tongues, they were gathered into this place, and the music began, and now is the time to bow and worship this new God. Forget your old God, forget your past, forget who you were. Now's the time where you become Babylonian. Now's the time where you accept this new culture. See, hear me, Christian. There will come a moment in your life where you must choose to pursue the kingdom of God or the kingdom of man, the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of culture. This is their moment. Here comes the sound. And all around them, people begin to bow. It makes sense. Everyone else is doing it. Come on, we're no longer in Israel. Obviously, God has abandoned us because life's getting difficult. It's getting frustrated. What happened to the covenant and the promises of Abraham? Are they gone? What happened to the strength of our temple? Is it gone? It's burned. Might as well. Every other tribe, every other tongue, every other nation, every other person, all the influencers, they've bowed. In fact, except for the three Jewish young men, all the other Israelites bowed as well. And here they are, bowing in worship before a worthless idol, a powerless thing, something created out of human hands, something that has absolutely no grace, no mercy, Something created to strip who they really are away. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they choose in that moment to stand for their convictions. They choose not to bow. Come what may, we're going to be who we are. Can you imagine it from heaven's perspective? God seeing over the earth. He sees this puny little image the little tiny glint of gold in the distance, and all these little people looking like ants, worshiping something that somebody else created, something that existed for a moment and wouldn't exist in the next. He looks down and he sees these people so lost, so broken, so hurt, and he sees these three young men, and they had reason to be angry with God. They had reason to be frustrated, and yet God sees them standing refusing to worship despite the cost. They heard the herald. They knew what the messenger said. The messenger said, if you don't, well, you're going to be burned by fire, bro. You're going to get hurt. You're going to be thrown down. You're going to be disregarded. You're going to be cut off from society. These three men, they had positions in government. You're going to lose your position. 
You're going to lose your influence. You might even lose your life. You better bow down. And yet they stood. They stood because it was right. They stood because they knew who they were. They stood because they remembered the word of God. They remembered the covenant with Abraham. They remembered who made them. Because see, why we have to understand, in order to understand why this was such a terrible sin, what Nebuchadnezzar did, we got to go back to Genesis. The Bible says God reached into the earth and he made an image. Not from gold, but from sand. And he formed it and he fashioned it. Not as a sheep or a goat. Not as a bull or an animal. He made it look like himself. You were made in the image and likeness of God. This is why God says, do not make any images of me. I've already made what I look like. I show myself through you. God made Adam and he breathed life. The breath of God, the ruach of God, the spirit of God breathed life into what should not be God made. And he brought Adam into relationship with himself. Thousands of years later, God comes to another one of his sons, Moses, and he gives the Ten Commandments. Do you remember the first one? You should have no other gods before me. And he goes on and says, in fact, I don't even want you to make any images. Don't carve anything. Don't make anything. I don't want you bowing down to worthless idols made by human hands. Because God says, because I'm a jealous God. Jealous? Thousands of years later, God's still jealous for the relationship that was lost with Adam. When God made Adam, he made it so that they could walk together and talk together and have conversations and sin separated that. But that's still God's heart's desires to know you and to love you, to help you and to be with you. That's God's desire from Adam to you. Ten Commandments said, don't make any other image, only worship me. I am the one true God. And so here Nebuchadnezzar is violating what God did in the beginning. He's violating the Ten Commandments. And these young Hebrew men, they know better. They read the Ten Commandments. Their father, he told them the stories about how good God was. They know better. See, it's one thing if you don't know what's wrong. It's one thing if you've never heard the gospel. It's one thing if you don't know the truth. But when you know, I'll stop yelling so much. When you know, when you've had that, res- that, when you've had that experience with God, you can't deny it. I don't know what your experience was, but I know there's moments where you've asked God, are you real? And he's shown you something. Maybe it was at conference or camp on a Sunday or Maybe it was your grandmother that prayed for you. Because every single time you ask God to show himself real to you, he will answer that prayer and he will show himself real to you. Look, the world, they might not know better, but you, Jesus follower, Christian, you know who God is. You know how much he loves you. He's for you. And now he's calling you to stand for him. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they said, we will not. We will not bow and worship to anything and anyone that is unworthy of our worship. They stood out when they stood up. So they were brought before 
Nebuchadnezzar. The king, he was filled with fury and anger and rage. All of the elements that aren't found in God. Because understand, Nebuchadnezzar is a picture of anti-God, anti-Christ. The enemy always wants to make the counterfeit. But God is the real thing. Do you understand? Like, think about it this way. Lucifer says, I should be receiving this worship. It's all about your worship. So he says, I'm going to ascend to the, to the high place. I'm going to receive the worship. And then he's thrown down into the earth. And from that moment, Lucifer, the angel of light, who actually is filled with darkness, has been trying to get mankind's worship from, from then until now. And so he's moving through Nebuchadnezzar, and he creates this counterfeit, this counterfeit kingdom. You know, where it has a, its own image, and it has its own heralds, those are evangelists, and it's got its own music, that's worship, and he's trying to get the worship of people. This is what the enemy did then, but hear me, this is what the enemy's doing now, and it's what the enemy's going to try and do again. See, this isn't the first or last time an image is made. Go read the book of Revelation, where the false prophet makes another image, and he puts his breath into it. What is that? It's a perversion of Genesis. The... There is a real kingdom and a real God, but there also is an angel of darkness. There is, the, there is the enemy that is always trying to pervert the things of God, counterfeit the things of God, twist the things of God, and get you to buy into the lie. Hear me. Stand on the truth no matter what. Are you with me? All right, so this is what Nebuchadnezzar is being pushed by this spirit, this counterfeit spirit, this antichrist spirit. Therefore, he's filled with fury and rage, and anger, and now he's going to put his thumb on these people. And he says, now listen, I want to give you another chance. There's some false grace there. But you have to bow down. You have to worship me. You have to come before me, or I will throw you again into the fiery furnace. That's the fear. If you don't do what I say, I'm going to destroy your life. If you don't say what, do what I say, I'm going to throw you into the fiery furnace. Isn't it interesting that the threat is the fiery furnace? Isn't that interesting? Remember I told you about the counterfeit? The fiery furnace is the destination of the enemy. Fiery furnace is the destination of Satan himself. And yet Satan is trying to fear people. Say, I'll throw you, your life into that hell. But Jesus came so that you might be rescued from the fiery furnace and brought into his glorious light. Nebuchadnezzar is challenging these young men, saying, it's time for you to bow. And he says this phrase, where is the God that will rescue you out of my hand? That's the lie. That there is no other God. That there is no other strength. That there is no other hope. Where is the God that will rescue you from that fiery hell? Where is the God that will rescue you from this hopeless situation? Can I ask you, have you ever heard that voice in your life? Where's the God that will help you now? Where's the God that can fix this marriage? Where is the God that could love someone like you? Where's the God? I want you to know that's not the voice of the Holy Spirit. That's the voice of the Antichrist. Where is the God that will deliver you? Jesus was in the city of Nazareth, one of the first places he went at the beginning of his ministry to a small synagogue in his hometown. 
They handed him a scroll. Jesus opened the scroll to the prophet Isaiah, and he began to read these words. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Where is the God to bring deliverance? Jesus says, I'm right here. I'm here to bring freedom to the captives. I'm here to bring sight to the blind. Liberty to those who are oppressed. If you feel filled with fear or anxiety, if you feel like there's no way out and the fires of hell are coming for you, I want you to know Jesus Christ arrived and declared that he brings with him a new age of liberty and freedom and recovery. Where's the God that will deliver you? He's here. His name is Jesus. He is our Moses. He is our rock. He is our king. He is our Messiah. He is our Savior, and he is your deliverer. These young people had to make the choice. Will they, will they honor the king, this false king, this king that sets itself up against God, or will they obey their conscience, knowing that God may not show up the way they, they're hoping he will, but knowing he'll show up nonetheless. And so they tell him, even if God doesn't show up, even if he doesn't deliver us in the way we're hoping, we still will not bow. We're going to do the right thing despite the outcome. Everyone is going to come to this choice in their life. Will you stand on your convictions? Will you stand on your conscience? Or will you bow out of fear, out of nervousness with what could happen? Do you remember when Jesus was tempted by the enemy? There's a moment where Jesus is brought up onto the mountain and... Uh, and here comes Satan to tempt Jesus. It's an incredible moment where Jesus is at his weakest point. He had fasted for 40 days and Satan comes and, and he shows Jesus all of the kingdoms of the earth, all under his authority, by the way. And he, he says to Jesus, if you will just bow and worship me, I'll give you all the kingdoms and all the splendor. In all the honor, what was the temptation? The temptation was to get, to skip the process and go to the end result. The temptation was to deny the sacrifice and just get what was promised. What was the temptation? The temptation was to exchange worship for an easy life. That Jesus wouldn't have to have the cross, but he could get the kingdoms another way. Jesus had to remind Satan who he was. You will not tempt the Lord thy God. The Bible says in Hebrews that we do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. In other words, Jesus was tempted to go back off his convictions to bow, take the easy path, to do what is expedient, not what's right. 
Jesus had to face this temptation. Martin Luther, the Hebrew children, Mordecai, Paul, Peter, person after person has had to make the choice. Will I give up my convictions in order to be comfortable? Or will I choose to follow Jesus no matter the cost? To deny myself, to take up my own cross, and to follow Jesus. The Hebrew children said, we won't bow. So Nebuchadnezzar said, make the fire seven times hotter. Begin to turn the heat up. Maybe you feel like the heat's being turned up in your life right now. Maybe you feel like the trials are getting more, the tribulations are getting more, the temptations are getting more. Hear me, don't back down now. You've come this far. You've stood your ground. You've done what's right. It might be getting hotter but know that God is going to bring this into a divine resolution in the end. Don't back down now. I want to speak to all of you that are struggling right now with thoughts of suicide in a spirit of suicide. That is not from the Holy Spirit. God has created you for a purpose. You have come this far. Don't stop now. I want you to hear me. That spirit is a lying fear-mongering spirit. When Nebuchadnezzar says, who will deliver you? How dare him? How dare him? As if he has the power to deliver. Absolutely not. Deliverance is in the mighty outstretched hand of God. And he alone has the power to deliver you from your thoughts. Deliver you even from your circumstances. Turn your eyes once again to Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. Turn away. Turn away from the things and the people and the society that's trying to drag you into the grave, turn again towards Jesus. His Holy Spirit is here. He's speaking to you right now. He's whispering to you right now. I, I, I just hear, I feel a spirit that's trying to get on people to say give up. And maybe it's not suicide, but maybe it's a give up spirit where you're accepting fatigue over yourself and frustration over your mind, saying this is just who we're going to be. Yes, it might get hotter over the next few months. It might get seven times hotter. But hear me, that fire is not in the hands of the enemy forever. Somewhere in that midst, it's going to turn from man's fire to God's fire. And yes, you will have to go through the fire. But hear me, the fire will not destroy you. It will purify you. It will awaken you. It will change you. More than that, it will unbind you from what has bound you. You will have to go through the fire, but you will not go through it alone. What the enemy meant for evil, our good God will turn towards your good. That he has the final say. But don't move off your place of conviction. Don't accept what's expedient. Don't, want it, don't accept what is culturally acceptable. Don't allow society to shift your soul. Don't allow people to choose your direction. God Almighty created you. He died for you. He put his breath of life in you. Cling once again to the beautiful cross of Jesus Christ. Let him reawaken you. Let Jesus walk into the midst of the fire with you. You know what's interesting is as, Nab as Nebuchadnezzar threw those, through, 
three Hebrew boys into the fire. What happened? But the fire blew back. And it annihilated the enemies of those three young boys. They didn't pay the price, but those that came against them did. And I, I know that maybe I could preach this so that you get shouting and all that. I, I don't want to take it in that direction. I just want to say sincerely, I believe even those that meant you harm and came against you, like those that came after David or those that came after Jesus, I believe even those people will be blown back by the power of God's fire. And those that meant you evil, and maybe they're not even people. Maybe it's a spiritual attack, spiritual warfare. Maybe it's emotions. I believe that the very fire that they brought to destroy you, God will turn not only to your benefit, but to the destruction of those that seek your destruction. That includes any demonic plan of the enemy. I believe it's going to be blown back by the power of God. And what of you? You'll have to go through the fire, but the fire will release you from bondage. It might be scary. It might be a process, but go through it. Go through it. These next few months will be difficult, but go through them because you are going to come out better. You're a child of God. God has never let someone who stands for their convictions stand alone. Nebuchadnezzar looks and he says to his official, didn't we, didn't we throw three people into the fire? And they're saying, yeah. O king, a wise and illustrious king. You counted correctly. It was three. Nebuchadnezzar says, it looks, like, it looks like there's four. Because God will never allow those who stand for their convictions to stand alone. It looks like the fourth, I don't know, he looks like the son of God. He looks supernatural. He looks different than the people we thought we could push around, bully, seek their destruction. This one has, has a sense of spiritual, eternal power on them. There were three that we threw in hogtide, but now they're standing up. They're walking around in the midst of what was supposed to destroy them. They're able to walk through it. The thing that was supposed to singe them Kill them, they remain unburnt. He calls them out. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, come out. Come here. He makes a declaration over their lives. Simply this. Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They found God in the flames that were supposed to be their destruction. I pray that your convictions reveal Christ to those around you. Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So church, my sermon and my subject is simply this. There may come a day where you are going to have to choose your convictions or culture. The kingdom of God or the kingdom of man. 
I pray that you stand on what you know is true. I pray you stand on what you know is right, eternal, everlasting, and unchanging, which is the word of God. And know this, that God will stand with you even in the midst of the flames. When you're filled with fear and unsurety, that is when God works best. He's going to stand with you. But take your stand. Church, take your stand. Have a captive conscience to the word of God. And determine right now the things you won't move off of. What do you believe about your marriage? What do you believe about your family? What do you believe about the church of Jesus Christ? Have you thought about it? Have you set those principles down deep? What of your identity? What of your convictions and your faith? Have you thought about it? Because see, the moment to decide is not the moment you hear the sound, it's right now. You choose whether you're going to stand or bow in worship right now. Make your choice to stand against man and bow only before God Almighty. And let the chips fall where they may. See what God will do in your life. I believe that God has a very mighty future in store for our church. I believe it's going to be interesting, powerful, but I believe that we might have to take a bold stance for the kingdom of God. Let it be so in us. Let it be so in you. And I pray that it leads many, many people to saying what King Nebuchadnezzar said, blessed be their God because they see something different in you and of you and from you and on you and through you. It's Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening to the Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.